You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It was during the season, in fact, probably about six weeks ago, maybe two months ago, and we wondered how many job openings will there be? Now, we knew that there was going to be one with the Raiders. We knew there would be one with Jacksonville. We thought maybe the Giants, maybe the Vikings, maybe the Broncos. And then you realize we have Bears, Broncos, Dolphins, Giants, Jags, Raiders, Saints, Texans, Vikings. So 28% of the league needs a head coach. And it'll probably happen quickly. You know, once these teams this weekend... These games are over with, and then maybe there's assistant coaches on these teams that maybe will be elevated someplace. Um, you could have assistant coaches on the Chiefs. Eric Bieniemy maybe gets the job in Minnesota. But it feels like we're playing the game of musical chairs, and you want to make sure you get your guy, and you got to hire your GM as well. And it feels like there's, there's a lot more turnover than we thought. And yesterday you had Sean Payton announce that he wouldn't return to the team in 2022. Now, it was labeled in a variety of ways, stepping down, stepping away, retiring. But uh, the rumors have been out there since this past weekend. But Sean Payton has had a lot of success with the Saints. But he's been rumored to be up for jobs before. The Cowboys job before Mike McCarthy got it. Also, the Michigan job before Jim Harbaugh got it. It just feels like he's sort of been angling for, I need a change. And then there's always the Dallas Cowboys, that he could go back there. He was an assistant coach a long time ago, and Jerry Jones hasn't given the vote of confidence to Mike McCarthy yet. And, you know, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl in 2010, nine double-digit victory seasons with this team, somehow got nine wins out of this team this year. But if I look at this team now, if you're going to, Jump off the bandwagon, now would be a pretty good time because salary cap issues, you also have quarterbacking issues. I don't know what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. You know, it's a that was a stout defense this year, but I think he looks at that cupboard. That's why he tried to get uh, Drew Brees to come back. That's why he reached out to Drew Brees. He doesn't have any confidence in those quarterbacks. Now, maybe Jameis Winston. He got hurt, obviously, but I think Sean Payton said – you know, that he would step away from the team, not officially retiring. He's got a lot of options. And I don't know if Amazon moving into the NFL landscape here, now you've opened up all these new jobs. And, you know, Al Michaels, Al Michaels going to go to Amazon. Al Michaels going to go to ESPN. And if that happens, you know, Mike Chirico moves in over here. Does Troy Aikman go from Fox to Amazon? Like there's a lot of things going on right now. And Sean Payton is probably going, hmm, okay. Maybe I do a one-year pit stop. Maybe do one year and kind of see how Mike McCarthy's doing. I can make some good money here and don't go through the aggravation. Uh, no one-loss record. Maybe I do that. And it feels like that might be the direction. We'll hear from Sean coming up here in a moment. But, you know, the Dallas season, the way it ended, um, it, it makes sense. Too much sense, but then you have to come back to how bad does Jerry Jones want to make a change? How much is it going to cost to get Sean Payton? Because you have to compensate the New Orleans Saints. Now, if you look at this, he's still under contract with the Saints, and I'm going to guess they're going to go, no, you can't just step down and go to the Dallas Cowboys. It doesn't work that way. 
we would like to, I don't know, get a couple of first-round draft picks here. I mean, that's what I would be asking for. Hey, Sean, we loved you, but if you're leaving, we'd like to get some compensation, some nice parting gifts here. And you go back, Belichick uh, was traded, Parcells was traded, John Gruden was traded, and you look at what John Gruden uh, cost the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, it turned out to be a pretty good deal because they won the Super Bowl, but the Raiders, I think it's, Two first, two seconds, $8 million. I don't know. And, and Sean Payton, to me, is a better coach than John Gruden. Uh, what's it going to cost you? Probably a couple of firsts, maybe some money there. I'm not sure. But it feels like, and Cowboys are in the NFC. Now, this is if Sean decides he wants this. And, and we reached out to him late last night. Maybe he'll join us. But... Just get some thoughts from him and see what he wants to do. And maybe it's broadcasting, to be fair to him. Maybe it's just one of those where you go, you know what? I'm going to exhale here for a year. That's all. And, and maybe he'll like it. You know, because Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher got in and they never came back out. Now, it felt like Cowher was a possibility with the Giants a couple of years ago. Jimmy Johnson was always rumored. Hell, I think they're uh, teams that still reach out to Jimmy Johnson. You know, Tony Dungy got out and never came back. Now, it's such a grind, the toll that it takes. Uh, Sean's been through a lot. Certainly what happened to that city. Uh, he got suspended for a year. He's 58 years of age. Is he the same age as Urban Meyer? Does that sound about right? By the way, here is uh, Sean Payton talking about he doesn't like to use that, re uh, that word retirement. Stepping stepping outside like in the cold weather today and being a little uncomfortable professionally or, or from a career standpoint is okay i don't like the word retirement mr b didn't like it either he always said you know retirement's overrated uh mr b uh i guess it's mr benson there uh, he also said that uh the time was right i felt the time was right for me i felt the time was right and it's something that I, i've been thinking about forget football there's other things I looked at it as an opportunity also to, to see my kids more, to travel some more, to, to get in better shape. I was waiting for him to say, have you seen my quarterbacks? Of course I'm going to step down. <laughs> now, if I can get Russell Wilson to come to New Orleans or Aaron Rodgers, then I'll stay. But you've got all these coaching vacancies right now. Who would have thought? Bears, Broncos, Dolphins, Giants, Jags, Raiders, Saints, Texans, and the Vikings. Poll question today. Fritzy, what do you have? We've got a number. First one we're looking at is, did the Baseball Writers Association of America get it right? Yes mm. or no? Hmm. I think that's too much to get into right now. we got Tim Kirchin joining us next hour, so I'll, I'm going to wait to dive into the Hall of Fame because once we get in and then it's hard to get out. Do you have any football-related ones? Uh, we have in the 2023 NFL season, Sean Payton will have a TV broadcasting job, be Cowboys head coach, be head coach of a team other than Dallas, still enjoying retirement. I don't think he's going to be retired. I think he, what is he, six months older than Urban Meyer? Yeah, he, Urban Meyer is 57. Well, okay, how about this? Will Sean Payton be retired three months from now? Mm, yeah. No. No, but he could be a, a broadcaster. Okay, I, mean, I guess he's going to be a head coach. But you don't think he coaches football this upcoming season? I'm going to say no because I don't. I think Jerry Jones will probably stay with Mike McCarthy another year, and 
you know, maybe Sean wants to look at this in a professional professional sense of, hey, I, I'm going to do this, let Mike do that job, and then if you need me in another year, then you know I'm going to be available. But I, uh, the way it kind of feels, I think he'd like to try broadcasting for a little bit there. But you have all these openings. The question is, what's it going to cost? And if you wait a year, what's it going to cost? You know, does the cost go down? You don't want to go to a team that's got to give up two first and two seconds and pay money. You you want to go to a team where maybe it's a one and a two and some money. But the Saints are going to want something in return. But I I see him being in the broadcast booth or maybe in a, a, a studio show. And I don't know what Amazon's doing. You know, I know that they've talked about a variety. I talked to Amazon about their pregame show. They've talked to a lot of different people. And maybe Troy Aikman ends up there as their uh, their color analyst. Maybe Al Michaels ends up as the, you know their broadcaster, you know the lead lead broadcaster there for their games. Although there's a chance Al Michaels might go to ESPN. Although I, I that feels like it's hey why don't we get ESPN involved in this and then uh, drive up the price a little bit here because I you know well. ESPN can do whatever ESPN wants to do, but my guess is Al would probably end up at Amazon, not the mothership. Yeah, Paul. It seems like Amazon could do whatever anyone else could do twice, yeah. like twice as much. Yeah. <laughs> whatever they want, they can get if they really want it there. Uh, make sure you go to danpatrick.com. We got uh, a lot of new t-shirts there. Uh, you've Chiefs fans, Bengals fans, they, uh, Store is open for you, uh, danpatrick.com. This program brought to you by Impeller. Empower your investment portfolio with opportunities in Puerto Rico. Impeller is a new online tool that connects investors with innovative projects on the island. Available now, Impeller, your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico. Learn more at investpr.org slash Impeller. Fritzy mentioned the baseball. Did they get it right? David Ortiz, the only one going into the Hall of Fame. Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, no dice. We'll talk to Timmy Kirchin, who's a voter. He'll join us coming up next hour. Uh, what other poll questions are we thinking about there, Fritz? I thought we had one fun one here. Best big sports nickname. Big Aristotle, Shaq. Big baby, Glenn Davis. Big fundamental, Tim Duncan. Big hurt, Frank Thomas. The big O, Oscar Robertson. Big Poppy, of course, David Ortiz. Big shot, Bob, Robert mm, Ori. Okay. Big unit, Randy Johnson. you got eight big Famous nicknames there. I like Big Shot Bob, and I like uh, the Big Hurt. I think those are those are great. Hey, it's Frank Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Frank by the smoothie bar. Yeah. Hey, and she'll like it too. Frank, I'd appreciate it if you stay away from my yeah, wife. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Frank looking creepy over there. Like, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, it's Doug Flutie and Frank Thomas. Hey, Jennifer, that's the big hurt. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Hi. <laughs> what? <laughs> and she'll like it, too. Honey? What? Wait. What just happened? Have you seen the one where they're <laughs> sitting in the living room? And then it's... I, I don't know if they're trying to make it bad, but they did a good job in making it bad. What is it? Nugenics? New, yeah. And she'll like it, too. And then there's a woman who comes in at the very end, very revealing top. And then you're like, whoa, you know, these guys are players. Hey, come on, Frank. What's the secret? Where's your pants, Frank? Come on. 
I just, ate a, I just ate a bag of Nugenics, and these girls are all over me. <laughs> a bag? I don't know what it is. I don't yeah. know if it's pills or powder. Yeah, I'm mainlining it, man. Yeah. I, I can't I can't keep these women off if, of me. If Bonds had used Nugenics, he'd be in the Hall of Fame and have three wives. <laughs> and she'll like it, too. Uh, Sean Payton did uh, answer the question if he would like to go into TV. I'd like to try TV. And I, I've had some opportunities i talked to drew a little bit about it last night i don't i don't know that part of it that well but that'd be something that would interest me and so i think the hardest part is sitting in your chair saying wait a minute you haven't talked with a network yet you haven't talked with like not a word hopefully that opportunity comes yeah i think it will now now that sean put it out there and i don't know how he would be in a in a booth or he'd be better suited for in the studio but Feels like that that would be the direction that it feels like he's leaning towards. At least you got that kind of sense yesterday with the press conference. All right, so we'll talk baseball with Tim Kirchin. David Carr from the NFL Network will join us. We'll uh, get his thoughts on Sean Payton stepping down. Also, are the Raiders going to stay with his brother? And I think uh, Derek has one more year there. That, it feels, you know, that's just a tough division when you think about the AFC West. Because I think the Broncos, if they get their quarterback, are going to be formidable. And I think the Raiders, given everything they went through, I, I mean, they made the playoffs. I think that there's, I mean, that, that, that division, top to bottom, could be really, really competitive. And the best division in football. But you got to get your quarterback if you're Denver. All right, we'll take a break here. We'll get phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. We do have the route for season's trip, Seton's trip across country. I got a chance to look at the van yesterday, some of the pictures there. Uh, I was sent four pictures of this van, and uh, they were correct. Those wheels are murdered. The inside looks pretty. You guys are going to be going in style across country, Seton. Heck yeah. 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 Heck yeah. Yeah. Now that we have the route down, that it's going to be starting in Connecticut, not Atlanta, and then going through uh, Cincinnati, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we'll hit uh, like Cincinnati, Nashville, Memphis, Little Rock, uh, a whole bunch of cities in between there. Yeah, but if you can uh, check out the website, we give you uh, all the places. And if you have suggestions, you can uh, you can tweet those, you can email, and uh, we'll collect those, give them to Seton and the French Kid because uh, I think they hit the road. On Monday, I'm still getting some requests of like, hey, uh, I left my golf clubs at my buddy's house in St. Louis. Can you swing by them and bring them to Denver? I think that's fair. I think it is fair. We certainly have the space. Yes. I I mean, we we love this audience and and we love to give back. And maybe Seton can pick up some things along the way and deliver them if if you'd like him to. No, don't make those suggestions. All right. Uh, We'll talk to David Carr. We'll talk some football with him coming up right after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. David Carr, NFL Network analyst, former NFL quarterback. You can follow him on Twitter at DCar8. This Sunday, a special six-hour edition of NFL Game Day morning airs at 9 Eastern on NFL Network. David, thanks for joining us. Uh, what do you think Sean Payton is going to do? Uh, sit at home, go to a tailgate, 
<laughs> I, I think he's tired. <laughs> I also think that the cap, the cap issues in New Orleans might have forced this as well. I mean, when you watched him, you know he's such a good play caller, and it's just hard because you know, they're going back between, you know, Taysom Hill going to be the quarterback, you know, who's going to be who's going to be the guy, and he's he's so good that they they still almost got in the playoffs. You know, great defense, yeah, but. Man, what he did, you know, just from a from a quarterback standpoint, and I guess a coach's standpoint, watching it from afar, it's, it's brilliant, man. The guys, the guys, incredible. So let him take his, let him take his time. Go to a couple tailgates, enjoy yourself, and then, and then get back in the thing. I, I, I think I think the the league's better if he's calling plays. He's great. I think that uh, you're on to something with the salary cap, obviously. But I think he looked at the quarterbacking situation and thought, I yeah. can't, I can't compete, not with this, and. I mean, he tried to get Drew Brees to come back for this season. They somehow squeezed out nine yeah. wins, and they didn't even have Michael Thomas there. Well, can you blame him, man? You watched two space aliens play quarterback in Kansas City the other day. It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't have that guy. So <laughs> I'm supposed to win another Super Bowl. So I think, he's, I think that probably helped. Could you see him coaching the Cowboys, and they trade for Sean Payton? Yeah. Yeah, I can. I just uh, – I just don't know if it'll be this year. I kind of, I kind of feel like it is going to be at least one more year with Mike McCarthy, and and then if that goes south, I think Jerry Jones is going to be. He should, Jerry Jones has wanted Sean Payton forever. He, I mean, he's wanted to be their coach for a long time. I mean, I can remember back when I was with the Giants, and that that noise would swirl around. Oh, Sean Payton's coming back to Dallas. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Why? You know. And so it's just like one of those things. He's always he's always wanted Sean to be the coach there, and I think I think Jerry Jones will do everything he can to get him to go. You know, we have a couple of teams that feels like are in quarterbacking limbo. I don't know if the 49ers know what they have with Trey Lance, and it looks like they're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. The Titans situation with Ryan Tannehill, can he take you only so far? Carson Wentz with the Colts, maybe the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. What do you do in those situations if you're not quite sure you have that guy who is a special quarterback or can take you to the next level? I, I think you have to make a move. The problem is, like I referenced earlier, watching Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes throw the ball around the other day, every coach is looking at that situation like, well, we need one of those guys. Well, guess what? There's only two of them on the planet. So that's not going to happen. You know, you gotta, you have to find a guy that will that will fit. We, we saw Tom Brady for two and a half decades now pretty much dominate from the quarterback standpoint, and he can't move outside the tackle box. So it's like, and, and, and arm strength wise and arm talent wise, he doesn't even compare to those guys. So there's still ways to win um, in the national football league, not having one of those players. But, but if you have a guy that's, that's holding you back, like you watch Kyle Shanahan call plays like, and I know Jimmy Garoppolo has a great winning percentage. I know all those things, right. But I also know that he turned Matt Ryan into an MVP and he hasn't sniffed that trophy since. I know that Kyle Shanahan from a schematic standpoint is, is so much further ahead and he puts you in such a better position than you would be just on your own or just with another offensive coordinator that I I almost throw the winning percentage out because yeah, Jimmy's got to play better. They got to find a way to be better at that position or be cheaper. If you can't be better and be one of those elite guys, you got to go, you got to grab a young guy and you have one in your house. So it's going to be interesting, man. You know, we were spinning around the table, me and uh, Steve Mariucci were talking about this because he's season ticket holder with the Packers. That's kind of weird still. (laughs) <laughs> head coach of the 49ers and and he was saying did you think what i was thinking and and, and i already knew what he was, where he was going the packers if they keep aaron Rodgers, they're 40 something million dollars you know cap hit if they let him go they save 16 or something 
trade him to San Francisco for two firsts and Trey Lance, and then everyone's happy. And Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur are buddies. They can make that thing happen over some Chipotle. Like, just make it happen, you know? So I think that that's going to be a scenario. I, I can't imagine uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being back with San Francisco. He's, he's done great. And maybe he'll just surprise everybody, and they'll go win the Super Bowl, and that'd be fantastic. But I still think it would be a situation where um, you want to inspire your quarterback. I can't imagine that Green Bay would want to trade him and keep him in the NFC and trade him to the 49ers. Oh, I, know. I thought he's crazy, too. I thought when we started talking about it, he's like, but you almost you would think that would be the last place, right? But where's where's Aaron from? He's from San Francisco. He's from that area, yeah. right? He he would love to go back there. Um, I just think it makes it just makes it makes almost too much sense just from a cap standpoint. And what you know, what both teams could benefit because I don't think Green Bay is happy with him either. You think you watch how Aaron walked out of that stadium? He just kind of he just kind of hit a little wave, and everybody just stared at him. It's like, all right, we won 13 games three years in a row, and what do we have to show for it? Nothing except our quarterback and our fans don't really go on, you know. So something's got to change. David Carr, NFL Network analyst, former NFL quarterback. I'm watching Joe Burrow somehow survive nine sacks, David. Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? It, it's never happened before in, in playoffs. Never happened before in NFL playoffs, playoff history. Nine sacks and you win a game. I got sacked nine times once. I did not beat the number one seed in the playoffs in their stadium. We got blown out in San Diego by the Chargers in junior sayoff. So that, that just is not something that happens. you know. And for him to keep getting up and firing back, you know, it was, it was really interesting with the Bengals because – um, they, they obviously have tremendous talent on the outside. Joe Mixon's special back. Joe is obviously talented, or you just don't do what he did. But, man, when I watch them um, from a, a schematic standpoint and a protection standpoint, Tennessee, I mean, they had nine sacks, and but that wasn't just getting physically beat. They had issues, dude. Like, up front, they weren't blocking anybody. They were sliding the wrong way. Nope. They were a disaster. It literally reminded me of the, the Texans in my first year. Like, that's how bad it looked. And, and, oh, by the way, they won the game. You know, so they have to fix those things. And that it's not on, it's not on just one guy, but Zach Taylor and Callahan, they got to be better. They have to have answers because there's times when there's free rushers coming at Joe Burrow, and there's three receivers that he's looking to on one side that are running with their back to him. Like, no one's looking. No one's adjusting. So they have to fix that or they're going to get tested big time against Kansas City. Steve Spagnuolo is going to do exactly what Tennessee did, and, and so on. So my, my fear, and I'm not, I, like, yeah, I'm not hating on the Bengals. I'm happy that they've done this. I, I just can see like the writing on the wall that if they – I'm afraid that Joe is going to be so good that he's going to cover up a lot of sins, and they're not going to be as successful as they should be with him at quarterback. So we'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully they can fix this stuff. I don't know if they can fix it this year. Um, we'll see how far they can go but they do have to address it for sure. When you look at the 49ers in the last 15 days, they trailed the Rams 17 to nothing, came back to win in Los Angeles, found a way to win at Dallas, and then found a way to win at Green Bay. They are 6-0 and against the Rams uh, since New Year's 2019. How did the Rams turn this around and win this game? Well, the Rams were up on them last time. I, I really think that the 49ers, I, it's a throwback style of football. It's a very physical style of football. Uh, but it's, it's schematically, it's advantageous because they'll put Trent Williams at fullback. I mean, you saw the man coming across the, the uh, formation and then just blowing up the entire right side of the line. So he does, Kyle does so many things 
um, to challenge you. So it's not like you can just bring an extra guy down, you know. What's going to have to happen is they're going to have to just toughen up. Like, it's a, it's old school. It's like almost junior high-ish. But you're going to need a rah-rah speech to get these guys physically going because George Kittle and Trent Williams and these guys are going to just try and absolutely road grade you off the line. Like, it was a great matchup for the Rams last week because you have a depleted offensive line with the Bucks and you have some absolute killers up front. You got Vaughn, who had a great day, Aaron Donald. These guys can just pin their ears back and go get you, right? The, the, the what the Rams have to do is they kind of have to match. They got to use those backs. You know, they have Cam Akers, they got Sonny Michelle, and they've been doing a better job of that. And I think that that's where they have to go. They can't get into just a drop back pass um, situation because you know Bosa and those guys, Armstead, they'll just they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna win that situation. They're gonna win that battle. But their edge is who they brought in in the offseason. It's Matt Stafford. Like we we saw it. Matt's as good as anybody. In, in, that I've seen um, against the Blitz. And what did we see Tampa Bay do at the end of the game? They bring pressure, he burns them. And, and he did it consistently. So I don't know that, um, you know. Well, the Niners, the, Niners aren't going to have to blitz, or they, they normally don't they need won't. to blitz, yeah. right? Exactly, exactly. So the only problem is, you know, can the secondary, which I think D'Amico Ryan has been brilliant. I think that he did a great job against Aaron Rodgers. It's very subtle. You saw um, Josh Norman jog out there. And you saw Aaron Rodgers' eyes light up, like, I'm coming at this guy, right? And he got the first one. He threw it right at him, incomplete. The second play that Josh Norman was in, he looked at Devontae, and they subtly changed the coverage. They showed, like, a two-man coverage where he was being doubled, and then right at the snap, Josh Norman jumped outside, and the safety rotated down, and Aaron didn't know what he was seeing, and he went back to the other side and ended up having a – it, it wasn't a sack, but it was a negative play. And that's what, that's what they have to – that's what they're going to have to do. D'Amico Ryan's going to have to be on it, but – you know, I think the Rams can. I think the Rams are going to make a, a much better game out of it because, like I said, they were up. They had the confidence they could do it. Um, but man, it's the physical. It's the physicalness. It's the the physicality they bring. It's Debo Samuel. I mean, how do you how do you match that? That's not something that you can just flip a switch on and and be. You know, you have to be that from the beginning, and that's what that's been. You know, why San Francisco's been so successful. All right. We've asked everybody. Everybody seems to be talking about it. Uh, your solution for overtime in the NFL playoffs is what? Well, I mean, my goodness. I, I, I've known Josh Allen forever. And so I'm, I'm a little biased because the kid's from the Central Valley, and I just watched him sitting on the heater, you know, the whole overtime and didn't even get a crack at it. We even heard Andy Reid, I think, yesterday say, at least let the other offense get the ball. And I understand they don't want to do – the, the college overtime, for whatever reason, probably a lot of reasons, they don't want to do just a time limit, another quarter, because, you know, that's just going to prolong everything and that's going to bleed into other games. So I get it. So, But at least Josh Allen has to touch the football for me because that'd be like going to a Dodger game, right? And it's uh, extra innings, and the visiting team hits a home run, and then everybody, that's it. All right, everybody go home. You know, like, the Dodgers get to hit, but we're not going to let them, they don't get to bat. That's exactly what it is. So I think that you at least give the chance for the, for the other team to touch the football on offense. And then if they don't make it, then they don't make it and everybody's happy. But, man, it was a great game, but it, was, it left a little sour taste in your mouth just because it, you didn't feel like you got it – it was a fair fight. Thank you, David. We appreciate you getting up early uh, for us and uh, have fun this you weekend. How's your brother doing? He's good, man. He's a little tired from that season emotionally, but uh, he was. Uh, they, they were they had a good run. They did pretty much all they could do. So yeah, he's he's uh, he's feeling great. Playing a lot of golf now. 
And who's he think the coach is going to be? Well, he'd love for it to be Rich Passacci, honestly. Oh, okay. Every player in that building would love for that to be him. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We don't know what Mark's thinking and what they're going to do. And general manager got to get hired first. But, um, yeah, he'd, he'd love for it to be Rich. Thank you, David. We appreciate your time. As always, have fun this weekend. You got it, buddy. Thanks. That's David Carr, NFL Network analyst. He's good. There's some good opinions there. I like talking to him. A couple of uh, phone calls here. Sean in Kansas joining us to lead us off. Sean, what's on your mind this morning? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I actually have an idea for an overtime rule that keeps defenses honest, but it also keeps it fair. Um, First, I just want to give a shout-out to Aoka Lee. I live in Manhattan, Kansas, and she broke the NCAA record for most points in a Divisional I game. And it was pretty overshadowed by football this weekend, but it's uh, turned Manhattan around after we lost to KU this weekend. So, But uh, overtime, if you give the first team the ball and they go down and they score a touchdown, they have to score a two-point conversion. They can't uh, kick a field goal. And if they miss the two-point conversion, you give it to the other team, they can go down, score a touchdown, point after, and they win. But if the first team scores the two-point conversion and it's good, then the next team has to score that two-point conversion, then it's sudden death. Mm-hmm. Either way, defense has to stop the first team from scoring and a two-point conversion. It keeps the defense honest in my mind. Right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Sean. Yes, yes, Paul. I think that's a pretty good solution because it, makes, it uh, makes a lot of pressure on the team that gets the ball first. The team that gets the ball second knows what they're getting into and they kind of have an advantage there. But if it's a tie, you're still going back to someone's going to get the ball and the other guy doesn't get the ball. I would just have it, you get the ball, one possession, whatever you do on that, and then you get the ball, one possession, whatever you do with that. If you're tied after that, then it's sudden death overtime. Field goal can win it. That way, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball, Josh Allen gets the ball. Now it comes down to who's going to score next. Everybody got their chance. If you want to go for two, you can go for two. But but that, like at some point, you just have to have some kind of rationale that says, can we do this after 60 minutes? Now go out there and now play for another 15 minutes and try to settle this. But, you know, we, I, I think the NFL competition committee is going to look at this because it usually takes something like this. If we didn't have this, then nobody, if you brought up overtime, people would be like, yeah, it's okay. But now that we have this game, we had this moment, we feel cheated here. Now we want to reconsider overtime. And I'm going to guess the competition committee will look at it in the offseason. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sits, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever. Wherever you get your podcasts. Tim Kirchin 
He has forgotten more baseball than I know. ESPN Major League Baseball reporter, senior writer, and he has been uh, named to the writer's wing of the Hall of Fame and uh, as of 2022, Career Excellence Award winner, inducted into Cooperstown this summer. Who would have thought that Tim would get in before Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens? <laughs> well, I certainly didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> I didn't think it would ever happen for me, but uh, I think this is going to be the largest disparity in size between <laughs> the player that's selected and the writer that's selected. I weighed in at 140 this morning, Dan, so giving up at least 140 to Big Poppy. <laughs> and there's no steroid trace with you, is there, Tim? Well, five, four and a half, 140, uh, and I can bench about 60. That I don't think there's a possibility of steroids, no. If somebody didn't know the results of yesterday, how would you explain what happened? Well, I would explain what happened yesterday. Well, I hope I say this the right way. This is the most difficult process the most difficult job that I've ever had in 42 years of covering baseball is trying to figure out what to do with a ballot, say, like this. What do we do with Bonds and Clemens? And are they in a different category than David Ortiz? And is he in a different category than Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez? Those are the things that you have to go through. So I don't want any sympathy, neither do the writers. We're just saying this is a really difficult process. So somebody got in yesterday, David Ortiz, who I voted for and I believe should be in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. But the rest of it is confusing. And there are no more right answers anymore, Dan. I fill out my ballot, and I have for 31 years. When I look at my ballot, these every time the last 10 years, I look at it and say, well, I didn't do this right, because there are no more right answers. It bothers me when people would say to me or anyone else, you did it wrong. I'm not sure you did it wrong. I'm just not sure you did it right. That's because there are so many unanswered questions to all of this, and we need a little bit more clarity moving forward. There's so many people who say the following. Well, Bonds was a Hall of Famer before. Clemens a Hall of Famer before. But I disagree. I think if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer. And a Hall of Famer wouldn't use steroids, performance-enhancing drugs. Bonds was the best player in the game. Clemens had a run with Boston, but then he went to Toronto. Like, just trying to sort all of this out... Like A-Rod got popped twice. Big Poppy with the Mitchell report. I, I, I don't know what is hypocritical and what isn't with this, Tim. Yeah, again, Dan, this is what I run into every single year for 10 years when we vote. And I'm not quite sure what to do every year. Yes, Bonds was a Hall of Famer before the late 90s with three MVPs. Clemens was a Hall of Famer before the late 90s with three Cy Young Awards. And yet, my dear friend Dan Shaughnessy says, if you shoot 33 on the front nine and you cheat on the back nine, you're disqualified for the round, yeah. which is essentially what you're saying. I'm saying, it's hard to argue with that. And yet at the same time, this is baseball compared to golf. Golfers 
PGA Tour players call strokes on themselves, where baseball players were encouraged during that Bonds Clemens time to do whatever it took to win. And there was this tacit agreement going in Major League Baseball. No one's testing, no one's checking. You're going to get away with this. The other guys are doing it. So again, this is where it leads to all sorts of confusion. But from 2005 on, I see a little bit of clarity that we were testing and checking from then on. Alex Rodriguez, you know, got popped twice, as you said. So did Manny Ramirez. I think they're in a different category than Bonds and Clemens, but you can disagree with me, and I understand why. It's just really hard to try to put all this together. Dan, the easy way out is to just say, if you have a connection to PEDs, you're not getting my vote, period. Yeah. The other easy way out is to say, I don't care what you did. If you're one of the 10 best players on the ballot, I'm going to vote for you. But I think there's nuance to it, and I think you have to look at each case individually, and that's where it gets virtually impossible to do this right. And also with Kurt Schilling. Like, I don't like Kurt the person with what he represents or his tone, but I would put him in the Hall of Fame. I, I just, I saw him perform on the biggest stages. Um, I didn't think he played for great teams until he got to Arizona, and he, was a, he, was a, he wanted the ball. He was a gamer. Um, he was clean. But I don't know, likability factors in, whether it's conscious or subconscious here. How do you explain Schilling not as a Hall of Famer? Well, like Bonds and Clemens and like Ortiz, I voted for Schilling every year. Yeah. Now, some of the things he said and done recently make me uncomfortable, but I'm voting on him as a baseball player whose careers ended 15 years ago. And his political views today are not going to sway me from voting for him. But again, a lot of people look at it differently. And I totally understand that. He is not an easy case either. And he's not Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox great. He, there is some borderline there. Yep. But when you look at the postseason, you look at the rest of the numbers, he's a Hall of Famer for me. I repeat, I voted for him every year. And But the character clause comes in for certain players. I'm just not real comfortable being the moral arbiter of all these things, but we have to be as voters these days. Explain how Clemens and or Bonds get into the Hall of Fame. Well, they could be on the today's player ballot in committee uh, in December. I've been on three of those committees, Dan. It's a fascinating process. 16 guys in the room, media, executives, former players. And if one really powerful person in the room can sway the argument, that's how you can get 12 out of 16 votes and get in the Hall of Fame. My experience on these committees is that the former players and to a lesser degree, the executives are going to be harder on anyone with a connection to PEDs than the writers are. So this thought that, hmm. oh, Bonds and Clemens are going to go on this new ballot in December, which I think they will. And therefore, they'll cruise through, as did, you know, Jim Codd and Tony Oliva and, and Alan Trammell and Jack Morris and Harold Baines in recent years. I just don't think it's going to go that way because those guys don't have a connection to PED. So you better be careful what you wish for going up against the players who are in the hall. I'm not sure they're going to get their vote. I'm not sure, but I, it's going to be very interesting. And we always talk about, well, such and such didn't test positive. Well, Sammy Sosa didn't. I mean, he tested positive for a corked bat. 
Um, why does it? Why is Sosa so far down the list? Well, that's a really good question, Dan. I think it's in part because he is a symbol of the steroid era, fairly or unfairly. And I had someone explain to me, I'd never thought about this. If, say, he had hit 50 homers three different times instead of 60 homers, <laughs> maybe he would get a lot more support. But I think people look at him and say, who is the steroid era? Who's the number one symbol? I think some people point at Sammy Sosa. If he wasn't so dominant during those few years, maybe he would get more votes. But bottom line is he has a chance to go on that ballot in December also. And it'll be really interesting how he and Schilling and Bonds and Clemens and maybe others do if they're indeed on the ballot. El Tuve is going to be interesting when we get to that point. But, you know, he is the face of a cheating scandal. Nothing else attached to that. But how do we look at something like that as opposed to PEDs? Well, that's a really good question. Um, the way I look at it is if Jose Altuve has Hall of Fame numbers when his career is over, and I think he will, then I would vote for Jose Altuve. I think I'm in the minority on that. I think people are going to look at this and say, well, he cheated. Now, are we certain that he cheated? Are we certain that he was taking the pitches and listening to the bang of the, the trash can? I'm not positive about that. And without positive proof, and I'm still not sure if you know what's coming, that automatically you're going to hit a home run. Surely it's going to help. But I think Altuve is going to be an interesting case when his Hall of Fame yeah. uh a possibility comes up. But I repeat, as of now, I would vote for him for the Hall of Fame. It's always great to talk to you. And uh, congratulations again going into Cooperstown. This is going to be sort of like Aaron Judge and Altuve at second base. You and Big Poppy standing up there at Cooperstown. You got to stand right next to him, right? Well, at some point, I, I probably will. But let's be clear, Dan, all kidding aside, uh, the players are the players and the writers are over here. So if I stand right next to him, it's only a physical <laughs> thing and nothing more than that. You get a plaque or a bust? Uh, I think I get a plaque. I'm not even sure. I think if I get a bust, I'll be the only one with a bust that's actual size. Which should be <laughs> they can do your whole body, like you're not just yeah. your head. <laughs> uh, great, great to talk to you, Tim. Thank you, buddy. Okay, Dan. See you. That's Tim Kirchin. What I love about Tim, and there's a lot of things to love, is that he he wants to talk about the positives in the game. Like, he, he cares about the game and moving it forward. You know, Verducci is like this as well. Buster Olney, they, they cover this sport. They care about this sport. They want to move the sport forward. And you could tell it pains Tim to get dragged down by this because he does want to tell you incredible stats with, you know, these players. He, he, he covers it. He loves it. He's been doing it for over 40 years. And even when I ask these questions, and I, I can just tell he's going to answer it. And answer it honestly. Get some uh, phone calls in here. Um, and, and I do think that Altuve is Hall of Fame worthy or will be when it's all said and done. But this is what the writers sign up for. It, it's, they have to be the, the judge and jury. And it's a really difficult job. And if you put one in, do you put the other one in? You know, I, I still think that 
if you get popped once the next time you're out of baseball. Like, you know, there's really no deterrent. And, you know, A-Rod made all that money. A-Rod is on the ballot. Uh, do I think he deserves to get in? No. I mean, I'm waiting for somebody to say, well, he was a Hall of Famer before. Well, when did he start? No. He claims that he started when he went to the Yankees because he had to live up to the contract that he signed. I'm like, eh, I don't think so. Is that a Yankee tradition? Oh. Oh, Yankee tradition. Yes, Paul. A-Rod stats, if you look at him, though, like he suffers from both steroids and the likability factor. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. it's weird because he's doing a lot of stuff in media. He's doing a lot of stuff in business. Well, I think that's part of the campaign that the rehab. Yes. Like, Hey, I'm part of uh, Sunday night baseball and Fox postseason uh, shark tank. Yeah. Paul. I will give him and his people or agents or publicists credit. If you'd have told me when he retired a two time steroid guy, that he'd have a number, you know, Shark Tank and different shows, yeah. and that he would have all these things handed to him, I, I would have said no dice. Well, he looks good on camera. And then he was dating J-Lo. And, it, and I was told by a baseball executive, you know, this is, this is a campaign. This is, this is a red carpet campaign to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, see. He's really interesting, too, because he seems to be motivated by, um, if you hear, like, some of the stories about, say, Alex Rodriguez wanted to know how to shake hands yeah. and stuff like that, right? He's the, He has this motivation uh, of perfection, and it almost feels like, in a way, so he can be more likable, which makes him unlikable. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Like, he's so focused yeah. on coming across perfect and likable yeah. that you just don't like him. Because he's not natural. Yeah, it's, it just comes, it seems so forced. Yeah, Paul. But then again, just a couple of days ago, A-Rod went to the Packers game when it was two degrees out. He didn't sit in the sky box, the luxury box. He sat in the stands and not even like row one. He was in row 18 in the cold. His, it was, he got a lot of cred that night. Mm. Oh, he did. He mm. got some sitting outside cred. Mm. A guy like him, I was shocked that he wasn't in the sky box. Well, maybe nobody, outside cred. nobody invited him into a suite. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he had a Green Bay Packers hat on, and he's, he's the uh, co-owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they're like, what are you doing in a Green Bay game? Are we uh, separating people right now into sweet guys and sitting outside guys? <laughs> oh, well, A-Rod's first ballot sweet guy. Oh, yeah. That you would never think of him outside. Yeah. You can't get a tan outside in Green Bay. Oh. <laughs> who's who's like um great sitting outside let, guy? Let, let me take a break. Let me take a break. Who's a sweet guy? You a sweet guy? <laughs> I'm a, I'm uh, in the elements guy. I'm I'm. I'd rather be there. Just a the feel of it. 